Welcome to Talking New Energy, a podcast from Delta EE, the new energy experts. We'll be talking about how the energy transition is developing across Europe, with guests who are working at the leading edge of this transition. Hello, and welcome to the episode. Today, we're looking at peer-to-peer business models in the energy sector. In the shift from old energy to new energy, we're moving from a paradigm of tens of large power plants in a country to thousands, tens of thousands, maybe millions of energy producers or prosumers, as uh, they're often called. So going forward, will customers continue to buy electricity from traditional electricity retailers, or will businesses that connect buyers and sellers be the future, connecting these hundreds of thousands, millions of customers together. Now, peer-to-peer models aren't, of course, unique to the energy sector. It's a macro trend affecting many industries. Just think of Airbnb connecting people with rooms to rent and people that want to rent rooms. How will this model, this concept, develop in the energy sector? Well, these models already are developing. And today we'll hear from two companies at the forefront of the sector in Europe. Together, as always, with a Delta EE colleague, who's led recent research on this fast-growing topic. So, now I'll introduce my guests. First, Lars Fell. Hello, Lars. Hi there, good morning. Um, Lars, can you give me an elevator pitch for your company, PowerPeers, that you founded and run? What what does PowerPeers do in a nutshell? So PowerPeers lets energy retailers, households, and businesses create their own marketplaces for renewable energy. Uh, like you said, the market is moving towards more distributed energy and the ownership of the uh, distributed renewable assets are not anymore only at the uh, energy suppliers and energy companies, but are really scattered uh, amongst, uh, let's say, the whole world. And uh, what we tend to do is to offer them the platform to um, to, uh, to allocate the electricity, to be part of that movement, to join and to also to optimize their own uh, energy production and consumption. And we make it very personal. Uh, so, so it's not, uh, yeah? So Lars, would you describe yourselves as an, an Airbnb of energy or is that analogy not quite work or what would the differences be to help our listeners? Sort of well, I, I see that logic and uh, quite some journalists see that as an Airbnb meets WhatsApp uh, mm-hmm. of the energy market. Thus, people can also create their own communities uh, via these kind of platforms. So that's the, let's say, the WhatsApp kind of element towards that. Okay. Um, and how long have you been going? And can you give us a sense of uh, where you've got to today? Yeah. We started about five years ago, and I can also uh, remember that uh, we also met uh, and visited uh, Christian, who's also on this podcast uh, back then uh, in Berlin. Um, we have started first an energy retailer ourselves in the Netherlands. We launched that in 2016. Uh, we were still managing that. It is a great test bed with real customers. Um, and we have later on developed the platform as a, said it, a white label or a SaaS product for other energy retailers. So we are in the market about four or five years now. Okay, great. Um, thanks, Lars. We'll come back to you shortly. So my second guest is uh, Christian Chiboda of Luminata. Um, Christian, welcome to the podcast. Yeah, hello, welcome, good morning. Um, Christian, like uh, Lars, you founded your company and continue to run it. 
can you give us an elevator pitch for Luminasa? Sure. Uh, Luminasa focuses on developing powerful software to connect producers and consumers of green distributed energy. And the idea behind this is by doing so, you provide everyone access to the energy market. If you look back, we founded the company in two, 2013. Yeah? And looking at the scale now, we are active. Uh, we have customers in four countries. We still lack the Netherlands, yeah? even, mm. even though, like last mentioned, we, we met, I think, in 2014 or 15. Uh, unfortunately, the Netherlands is not yet on our radar. So you're a SaaS business, so you're providing the, the platform, the, the software, the capability that will enable others to market these sorts of concepts to customers. Yeah, predominantly we have also a very small B2C business, which we use as a showcase to innovate and test new things. I will talk about it a little bit later. Okay, thanks Christian. Last but not least, my colleague Nigel Timperley. Hello Nigel. Uh, hi, John. Nice to be here. Nigel. Yeah, thanks for joining us. Um, so, Nigel, on one hand, peer-to-peer is a really simple concept. I think everyone can get the, the model at uh, the conceptual level. But once you start unpacking it and delving into it, I think it can be fiendishly complex. Um, so, can you help us bring a bit of clarity to how to break down peer-to-peer, -peer, or as we unpack it, what are the different dimensions to, to think about in peer-to-peer? -peer? Yeah, um, peer, the peer-to-peer -peer, uh, movement, if you like, is essentially uh, virtual. So, um, but it, it's defined by two dimensions uh, currently. So we're seeing the emergence of local peer-to-peer uh, -peer models, um, which often are very much focused on a particular community, um, somebody like uh, Energy Local in Wales, for instance, or uh, SolShare in Bangladesh, who are um, looking at trying to empower local communities to share power between them, um, all the way up to national level models uh, like PowerPeers or Van der Braun or, or Sonnen, where um, they're not constrained um, by um, local uh, geography. Um, and then there's another dimension, that's, if you think about it mentally, that's a, a y-axis. On, on the x-axis, we've got the range of benefits. Um, and they range from financial benefits, if, if you like, at the left-hand end, um, where companies like Sonnen will reward customers with the benefits of trading, and uh, all the way to emotional benefits, um, such as um, those emphasized by PowerPeers, where customers are, are are participating in the new energy transformation and um, and there is in that case even a social dimension to to the trade okay and that's I guess tapping into the growing again macro trend of ethical consumption and people wanting to know more about what they're buying and where they're buying it from and uh, the values attached with that Absolutely. So, so there might even be a, an ethical driver there for for some of those customers who want to feel they're participating in um, in the in, in um, growth of renewables in their community, um, even if that can be a vir virtual community at times. Okay. So we've got a local versus national dimension. We've got a dimension around the different values and benefits. As you said, it's often virtual. But on a very local basis with a microgrid, it could be more physically matching bars and sellers. Um, 
the last question for now, um, Lars talked about the B2C business they have, and Christian alluded to a small B2C business they have. Um, Christian's main business is a SaaS business, so provided the capability, which Powerpeers and Lars also have. But they have the two main roles, so directly taking the proposition to customers and then the SaaS capability that you see companies taking? Um, we, see, we see three main roles, but yes, they sound they're, they're two. So, so some are effectively energy suppliers in disguise, um, where a company establishes the peer-to-peer -peer matching um, service, where um, demand and supply are attributed to each other and matched off. Um, but the supplier in the background is um, still ensuring that um, the role of the balancing responsible party is played and that uh, the supply-demand balance is achieved. Yep. Then the second model is, is software development, the SAAS model, which is Luminata represented on the call, are uh, absolutely that. So somebody can call off that service, that peer-to-peer -peer service, by just by making a call into the cloud. Um, and, and there is a third model, which is uh, what we call facilitation, um, where um, the provider of the service isn't really actually operating that service and isn't even involved on a, in a day-to-day -day way. Somebody like, I mentioned SolShare, another one in the grid might provide administrative or organizational advice. SolShare provider, a sort of peer-to-peer um, -peer in a box that is a physical thing, they install it and leave. And, and right. so that's a facilitation role to enable these communities to happen. Okay. Well, Nigel, thanks for breaking that down. Let's take that structure and try and maintain those mental maps in your heads. Um, let, Lars, let's come back to PowerPeers and uh, your business. Um, you talked a little bit very briefly about the customer proposition, but can you tell us a bit more about, as a customer, what I see from PowerPeers or what the proposition is if I'm a householder in the Netherlands, for example? Yeah, so um, just just to be clear that we have indeed two kind of companies. One is an energy supplier and the other one is a SaaS service provider. Yeah. Uh, and the energy supplier in the Netherlands is a great test bed, right? So we have learned the hard way what mm -hmm. works and what doesn't work. We built an energy supplier, including this peer-to-peer -peer part from scratch. And, uh, and very often I thought uh, this would be a great idea. And uh, but customers are brutally honest, right? Um, so we have learned a lot. So um, uh, in the Netherlands, we we see a, a proposition that prosumers, so customers, households with own rooftop solar, they can easily add uh, their uh, their solar power, including providing their own promotional pages, etc., via uh, the platform. Um, and consumers. What to consume, they can select different sources at the same time and 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 and, and make their own mix. A little bit of uh, uh, solar here, perhaps a, a large scale uh, uh, offshore uh, as back. So they can create their own uh, sources, and they like to have that interaction. They also like to have the interaction of inviting others, their friends, to join as well. So it is okay. also a great fire. It, Lars, is that something you've learned over the years then, that customers actually want that interaction, they want to feel involved, they want to be part of it? Yeah, so we see that uh, energy is not is becoming more personal now. So if I get mm. the electricity from Uton, uh that feels quite different 
uh, and then perhaps I would not churn to another energy supplier because I know you. It's like uh, I unfriend you, uh, as you see, yeah. make the parallel with social media. So the the tides are are, are quite strong, um, and you can also uh, by that is it also an, an interesting business model for energy retailers because their their customers will be more sticky. Uh, and uh, there will be an, a way to grow virally since a lot of people would like to invite their friends and family to join as well. So they do the acquisition for you. They can do it a lot, lot better than, than you as an energy supplier. And um, is, is, so energy, is energy interesting enough for enough people? Because um, I often have to remind no, myself, not really. I get very passionate about energy and everything that's going on in the energy transition. But for most people, it's a very minor thing, uh, tiny thing uh, in, in their lives. So how how many people do you think want to engage in this way or could engage in this way? So it is an, an, uh, what, what we've noticed. It is a sort of latent uh, desire of people to connect to each other, right? And uh, yeah. they are not interesting, uh, interested in energy as such. But they do want to know more and more where the electricity is coming from. They don't like the greenwashing that you sell green electricity certificates from Norway or whatever and sell it green. They want to know where things are coming from. You see it in other in food or in clothes. You see it in a lot of other industries as well. And if they know and they can we guarantee that the electricity is coming from that specific source, and it can also be an, an, a source like an, uh, a stadium. And we see we have an ice skating stadium. And uh, they have sometimes oversupply of uh, green electricity, and they invited their ice skating members to join as well. So the the element that is that we that we put with these kind of marketplaces towards the energy market is more personal, um, traceable, uh, freedom of choice. You can make your own choices, and otherwise the software can for you. So that that gives them an, an, a totally different angle towards uh, electricity. Okay, so you're really trying to tap into this innate uh, human desire to connect with other people and bring that to the energy sector. Correct. Um, last, last question for now. The, uh, the software that sits behind all of this, um, what would you, how could you help our listeners understand what the clever stuff is in that software or what's a real big challenge to build a, a software platform or a, a SaaS offering that has this capability? The, the most challenging part is to let it seem very seamlessly natural and not complex. Mm -hmm. That's the, the, uh, the, the, the big, let's say, lessons we've learned uh, to make it very logical. People are using the software. Um, they uh, always said, oh, this, this is so logical. Uh, why is not everyone offering these kind of services in the market? People understand it uh, instant, instantly. But to, in order to do that, have to, uh, to have a quite intelligent user interface design, a lot of learnings. The algorithms, that that can be difficult, but more people can do that. But, but how you bring that alive, how you interact with the market, that is something that is more uh, challenging. And of course, there are elements like if you don't have the right meter readings, uh, what, what, how do you allocate? What do you show to your customers? Because they are now 
um, expecting to get instant uh, the, the latest overview of the energy supply and demand. So there are some mm -hmm. things under the hood that are more challenging, of course. But um, so you've got to keep it really simple, keeping it really simple and seamless for, for customers. Exactly. So that, that's always a challenge, and we are not there yet, and we are improving, of course, uh, every day. Uh, but that, that's an interesting challenge that we see. Okay, thanks, Lars. Christian, let's come back to you now and Luminasa. So, um, Lars has uh, talked about their B2C and their SaaS business. You're focused more on the, the as a service model. Can you tell me a bit about some of the partners you're working with? and how they, in partnership with you, are taking peer-to-peer -peer forward? What, what sort of customer propositions, or yeah. bring it to life a little bit? Sure, absolutely. Um, before doing that, maybe uh, two comments, or just picking up two, two things that Lars was uh, saying. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the, what I absolutely can confirm is all the comments about the stickiness of the customers. Yeah? And if I look at the churn rate of all of our customers and professor, our uh, the B2C customers across all the B2B projects. <laughs> we uh, over the 17 that we now run, it's 2.5% annually, and that compares to <laughs> a monthly churn rate of 2 to 3% in the industry. So it's an order of mm. magnitude actually better. And so I fully can confirm uh, also for the countries and the markets we are in, uh, uh, what Lars was saying about the ne Netherlands. So it's and I guess that's, that demonstrates that they're happy customers, uh, they like yeah, what yeah. They're, they're getting. So, which I think the motivation is then also pretty universal. Yeah, It's very close mm -hmm. to the <laughs> how humans act, Yeah, like uh, Lars explained. So I mm -hmm. really uh, completely also looking at the complexity uh, uh, behind what Lars was saying, but making complex things look simple <laughs> mm. and uh, when it comes to the the end customer and that's also what we are striving towards to building customer centric solutions and that ranges from in the in the end very small communities that are more like a private wire a tenant electricity uh, case mm. where ranging from starting from 10 to 20 people in the community up to roughly about 200 that share electricity from their uh, PV and typically combined heat and power plant. Mm -hmm. uh, over uh, more regional approaches where you have local energy providing energy to 100 to 200,000 people living there, two nationwide mm -hmm. prosumer models like we, we drive it for uh, the biggest uh, uh, residential battery supplier of the world here in Germany. Mm -hmm. um, so there's a full okay. range. The, the idea is always the, the same, to connect people in the background, but it happens on different ranges. So. Okay, and for take those very small communities, uh, as 10 to 20 to 200, what sort of organizations are you working with there that are taking these concepts to customers? Well, what's the range of organizations? Uh, yeah, uh, actually, it's, uh, typically it's uh, uh, a local uh, utility, a Stadtwerk, mm -hmm. how we like to call them in Germany. Yeah, mm -hmm. And uh, we, we have like 800 of them. They are distributed all over the country. Yeah. And they set up the communities for lo uh, uh, local uh, for local uh, owners of such buildings, uh, compounds, and so mm -hmm. over using our software. 
And would you say most of your partners or most of the interest is coming from within the energy sector? Or are you seeing many companies coming from outside of the energy sector or new companies who are working with you to develop these peer-to-peer businesses? If I look at our current customer base, yeah, uh, it's about 50-50. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Half of right. them are coming more from the traditional energy space, or let's call it the traditional retail space. Yeah. And uh, like I mentioned, uh, the example, we see examples like battery supplier, uh, mm-hmm. building up their own communities to get in a constant interaction with their customers to build recurring revenues and to build um, new business models around the energy assets, if you want to say so, they are selling to their customers. And actually looking forward, we believe those players are moving much faster mm-hmm. <laughs> and mm-hmm. putting a real threat to the, the traditional retailer. Yeah. Looking very speci- specifically now, where we see mobility is really bringing a mm-hmm. new element into the market. Yeah. And it, uh, it's also... Please. Yeah, Lars, interested in your views on that because, as you've mentioned, you've got your two, you've got your two businesses, the B two C and the SaaS business. When you're talking with companies about your SaaS offering, so companies you can enable to do this, uh, where do you see the interest coming from yourself in terms of that split from within the energy sector or out within the energy sector? It's quite similar as that uh, Christian uh, mentioned. Uh, so we've seen them from the traditional energy companies. They are always interested, but they are not moving that much. Although they, I think, uh, they have a lot to gain and or um, to protect. Um, but from the smaller uh, energy retailers, the green uh, challenges, etc., we see a lot more demand. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, we see also uh, other companies. A lot of companies, they move into the electricity space, like the automotive, uh, mm. because the cars are more electrified, etc. So you see those kind of uh, parties joining uh, the model. What what we see in, in peer-to-peer is that it is not only peer-to-peer. It is very much about allocating time-based electricity production and consumption. That That is a little bit under the hood what we are doing. Yeah. Um, and that is not only applicable for an, 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 an building, but it's also applicable for cars. So you can run a specific electrical car on a specific renewable source of a specific car manufacturer. But you can also do that with washing machines or other electrical equipment yeah. uh, that can be sold together with a uh, guaranteed green electricity supply. So uh, the market is moving uh, with, with these kind of models, not only to a household or a business and an electrical meter, uh, but moving towards devices as well. And now, okay, now and that- we see also kind of companies being more interested, uh, also based on their sustainability um, ambitions, um, to offer their pr- uh, products included with guaranteed green electricity. Yeah, again, to do that, you need the sort of capability that yourself and Christian have, have developed in your, your businesses. Um, Nigel, from, yeah, from your perspective, you've looked at this yeah. broadly across Europe. How 
how do you see it growing in terms of that split of uh, I guess within the energy sector or outside of the energy sector or what observations do you have about how how it's developing? Um, the way I see it is that um, there, there is a, a growing interest in developing communities, um, com virtual communities, uh, whether you're a storage provider, an EV charge point provider, a hem company, um, there's, there's a lot of interest in developing communities and allowing them to operate together um, as a unit. Uh, those, it follows from that that whether the community will be um, will be interested in this type of product, um, and, and and therefore you know a challenger supplier or a battery supplier or as I say an EV charge point company allowing you to exploit through smart charging, the power on your PV, uh, PV panels, all of mm. those may be in a situation where they've got power to share um, and, and probably a shared value set with other customers which makes a community quite cohesive. So this idea of creating communities, creating togetherness, bringing people together to act together medical reasons, but not solely from that point of view, um, will we, we'll be a driver um, in, in both the short and the longer term, I think. Okay, and that I'd like to explore that, the aspect of value. So where's the value in these models? And we've touched on a few points. Nigel, you broke down earlier the sort of financial um, and then the, the social and environmental motivation or connecting people together value. Christian and Eliza, you both talked about the value of connections. Nigel, you talked about communities. I know some people will think outside the energy sector will think simplistically, if I've got photovoltaics on my roof, I can sell it to my neighbor and I can give my neighbor a way better price than an electricity retailer could. But of course, we all know there's lots of other costs in the electricity system that need to be accounted for. So if we think of the value that the buckets of financial social environmental if they're the right buckets christian and lars where do you see the biggest sources of value for customers in this maybe if i can start last or i i would say there, yeah. there are two elements the, the the one element that we stressed a lot was of course this clear origin of energy is one value by itself and mm -hmm. connecting to the people if we are looking now more on the tangible financial components, yeah, I think that's what we are looking after. Mm -hmm. There, from our point, two drivers: yeah. the the energy cost itself, also just the energy part of the energy cost. Yeah, it's uh, comparable to the other sources. Yeah. However, yeah. you can, of course, if you're on a very local environment, yeah, like uh, in uh, in a compound, you save on. Uh, transport cost, uh, credit usage fees, which mm. in all countries are quite substantial, around 20 to 30 percent of the total cost. So if you can save on them uh, because you don't need as much of the transport capacity, it is a huge financial uh, benefit. And so that, the other, and please, sorry, Christian, that just uh, that that pushes you. Well, not pushes you, but that uh, exploits the benefit of balancing supply and demand more locally. Exactly. Uh, Therefore, you don't need all the rest. You need some of the rest of the energy system, but not maybe all the rest of the energy system. Absolutely. Yeah. And that, uh, yeah, the value is quite significant. Yeah. Yeah. And the other element is, uh, in general, about uh, 
using the flexibility that the community could provide and that's particularly interesting if there's flexibility like in the case of batteries yeah being them yeah. mobile or not yeah okay uh, and that enables you the more flexibility you have the better again you that is uh, mobile <laughs> residential where you mm -hmm. can use them to trade at better times or to uh, use some other uh, service markets that drive costs down but in general these are the two different pockets and we, we just launched an immobility tariff that actually takes care advantage of some reduced grid usage fees uh, and in the okay. end it's 20 to 5 20 to 25 percent less cost for car owners in Germany. Yeah. Okay, so there is financial value there based on locally matching and based on the timing and matching the timing of generation and demand. Um, Lars, how do you see the financial values or are they, uh, do you think actually it's a social, environmental, or the other values we've talked about that are more important or some combination? Well, the combination also uh, what uh, Christian just uh, just mentioned as well. Uh, perhaps I can add uh, an, an, an element towards that. Um, since it is possible that, that the people uh, could uh, invest in, in, in rooftop solar, but perhaps not uh, are able to have the rooftop solar on their own rooftop because they're living in an apartment building in a city area, these kind of platforms make it possible to uh, invest in, 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 in renewables uh, remotely, so not pe perhaps on your own rooftop, or perhaps if you're living in an apartment building, do that jointly. Currently, in the financial model, it's not possible, but based on the the, the, the marketplace software that, that is now um, available in the market, the European Union also mentioned that they uh, want to change that. They want to uh, have a non-discriminatory way that everyone can participate. So if you are now in an apartment building, you pay the full price if, the, if the, the solar on your rooftop would go first to the grid and then to you as an apartment building owner. Um, but I think in 2021, that will change. So then you only pay uh, for the investment, perhaps the grid fee, but not anymore the full price because you have invested in, in, in solar yourself already. So that makes not only a more financial model uh, available for uh, all households, but every household can join. And uh, even better, there will be a lot more renewables installed. Because yeah, I think okay. if you're are not having the possibility to have, an, let's say, an, 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 an roof, uh, uh, the own rooftop uh, solar. And, and since solar is becoming more cheap, that is really a great uh, you know, value for Europe as well to, uh, to reduce uh, carbon footprint. So I think we've seen the, uh, we've touched into a lot of the different variations of peer-to-peer, -peer, different dimensions that Nigel mapped out at the beginning. And whilst, as I said at the beginning, it's a simple concept in one way, there are a lot of different ways that this concept might be taken forward. The, the actual business models can be quite varied. They're subject to regulation, market structures, which sometimes lag where the market's going, which can be a bit frustrating at times. Um, but I think as energy gets more decentralized, more distributed, we're bound to see a big growth in these type of models. Which mm. brings us to the last part of the podcast, which as regular listeners will know, is where we take out the Talking New Energy crystal ball. So here it is, and I've set the dial this week to 2025. 
and we'll look forward to where the peer-to-peer um, sector will be in five years time. Um, when we've looked at the market, we can see today many companies have got uh, thousands and some have got tens of thousands of customers on the, the peer-to-peer uh, or some kind of peer-to-peer -peer business model. So it's a meaningful market, but still in the overall scheme of things in Europe, it's a very small market. I'd like to ask each of my guests uh, where they think the peer-to-peer -peer sector will be in five years time. And there are many ways you might want to express this by a percentage or number of customers or some other metric you choose. So if I ask you each in turn where you think the market will be in five years, and uh, if you keep your answers relatively brief in the interest of time, Christian, I'll, I'll start with you if that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I think we are, we are in the range of a couple of hundred thousands of peer-to-peer -peer users across Europe at the moment. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I, I think it, it will grow tremendously and we will have a couple of 10 millions in five years. Okay, so become a really significant part of the market. Um, Lars, how about yourself? Well, I think the um, uh, the market will grow a lot faster than the uptake of electrical cars. And electrical cars did, did start, let's say, uh, 10 years ago and peer-to-peer -peer, perhaps uh, three, four, uh, five years ago. Um, because it's software, right? Um, and and I, I tend to uh, express that this peer-to-peer -peer seems very much a one household delivering solar power to another household. But the under underneath, uh, these kind of companies do allocate uh, time-based production and consumption. And we see a lot of questions now and, and demand from business customers they want to go into the corporate PPAs and they would like to have the, the, the proof that the electricity is really coming from that source. And that can be a large source, all source, but uh, I think that is also driving the market. Uh, about, it's really about allocation, giving freedom of choice to select specific renewable sources, create communities. Uh, so I, I see the market peer-to-peer -peer a little bit broader than, than only households delivering to other households. Sure. Okay, so there's the allocation and attribution of uh, where your electricity is coming from, uh, both on the household level and the, the larger level. Um, yes. Nigel, how about yourself? As you've looked at the sector, where where do you see uh, where do you see it in five years? Um, yeah, I'm inclined to agree with uh, well both those points. I think we will see uh, rapid growth because this is software. Um, I think there's a the there is a segment or quite a large middle segment if you think of a continuum from the left hand end of inactive disengaged customers and over at the right hand end very engaged customers with ev and pv and batteries i think there's a middle segment of passive customers who are very interested in doing something they might get a smart thermostat or a smart meter or a hundred percent renewable energy tariff but they won't spend a lot of money those people will be very attracted to this they don't have to get pv they, um, but they want to, they want traceability of that renewable energy. They want to feel they're participating. They want to be part of the gang, um, and, and they want to be on their phone. And the easier it is, and the more accessible it is, and the, the fact it's software, I can click and sign in, and then basically forget about it, and it just becomes social. I, mm. I think that that's a very very attractive model for a lot of people in that middle ground. So okay, yeah, that's a very I take up. But there's a lot of people in that middle part of the market you described. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Well, I think everyone 
on the podcast today is aligned in the direction that the market's going. Um, Lars and Christian, wishing you success in your businesses. Uh, congratulations in reaching where you've got to and wishing you great success in the next years as you, you tap into this uh, opportunity further. Thank you, uh, Thank you, Lars, Christian and Nigel for joining. Thank you. And as, always, um, and as always, thanks to uh, the listeners who have listened to this episode. We hope you found it interesting and made you curious maybe to go and look at who you could buy your electricity from, uh, <laughs> apart from a traditional retailer. So thanks for listening and look forward to welcoming you back to the next episode. Goodbye. If you're as passionate about the energy transition as we are, then please keep in touch. You can follow us and me on Twitter, LinkedIn, or subscribe to the podcasts on your chosen podcast platform. If you like the podcast and like sharing, then please do rate us. And to listen to archived episodes, to read transcripts, and to see the latest Delta EE insights, then please visit www.delta-ee.com. Thank you.